such a good time of worship already. I'm almost afraid to get up here. I'm probably going to mess this up somehow. It's been good. It's, uh, it's amazing how God works all those things together and how he brings us together and how he uses each of us. And so uh, it's gracious that. And I learned a little bit more about Franny today, which is amazing because we spent a lot of time together. And, um, and she is an amazing woman in her testimony. And Franny, I didn't plan this, but your testimony works really well with the scripture today. So thank you for lighting that up for me. I appreciate that. I need to set up and I need the help. Uh, but it's, uh, today's title of today's message is Unlikely People. Unlikely People. Used by and Franny, I, I know because I've spoken to you, I know I can say this. You thought you were an unlikely person to be used by God. And God's used you mightily and continues to use you. And he can use kids. And again, God wants to use each of us. Um, and no, if you've been here on a regular basis, we are not in Esther today. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but we finished up our study in Esther. But again, another unlikely person that's being, that was used uh, for God's purposes and his plans. And so God's not limited. He wants to use each and every one of us. And if you're visiting today, I know this to be true as well. God wants to use you. And so this message is for all of us. It's John chapter 4. It's a familiar one. It's a familiar passage. Um, I'm not going to try to hundoodle you or you know, bamboozle you or any of those funny words. Um, I've preached this message before, um, but it's been some years. And again, I think I need a reminder, and hopefully you do as well, on this same message. But the Samaritan woman, one of my favorites. And so we're going to take a look at John chapter 4, and we're going to go through quite a bit of it. I'm going to run through it a little bit this morning because it's a lot in the story and it's a narrative, but we will stop along the way and explain. So you have your Bibles. If not, the guys are really good about having it up there on the screen for you as well. And so let's begin. It says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who was baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he'd gone through Samaria, so he came to a town near Samaria called Sachar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. A couple of things you want to know here. Jesus is getting going in this ministry, right? He's just really getting started. Those three years of intense ministry with his disciples. He's gathered them together, he's been teaching them a little bit, and he's been bringing them along, and the people that should have embraced him, the Pharisees, the, the rulers of the day, were getting jealous, right? They were getting jealous of his ministry. It, it seemed to be growing momentum, right? Not only John the Baptist, but Jesus, and, and even there was misconception there. How oftentimes do we do that, right? We, we get jealous or we think of someone or we compare and, and all of a sudden we, we realize that we're, we don't have all the facts. We don't have all the, the information. Well, nothing's new under the sun, right? And so there was this going on. And so there was this growing tension already growing early on in Jesus' ministry between the religious rulers. And so Jesus and his infinite wisdom, is moving on, right? And so he takes a trip, and he's on his way up to Galilee. And normally, just so you know, for background's sake, the Jews would avoid Samaria. I mean, they would avoid it at all cost. In fact, the, the journey would be rather short if you went directly 
from Judea to, to Galilee, but Jews normally would go around the whole area. And again, they're traveling by foot most of the time, and so it was a long walk to get, to get around that area. But Jesus says, nah, no problem. He's going right through the heart of it. He's going through Samaria. And so he's taking this journey with a mission, right? He has a mission. He has a purpose in what he's doing. See, the Samaritans were half Jewish and half Assyrian. Again, going back to that Old Testament, right? That was part of when they took over the land, they would intermarry. And so the Jews considered them different, not worthy to be called Jews. They were only half Jewish. And so there was that tension, that, that racism, let's just call it what it is, right? Even in that day. You've heard me speak before, right? We, we think racism here in America is a new thing, and it's, we've only got the market on it, right? And we're the only ones that ever have that problem. No, it's been a longstanding problem, and it's in almost every nation of the world, and it's been a longstanding problem. And again, if we use Jesus as our example, he's going to show us what we do with that problem. That's a bonus point, by the way, just so you know. Verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? My footnotes here say, His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Remember, I told you about the tension and the hate. There's also a cultural problem here, right? A single man and a single woman in a public place, not allowed, right? They're not, they're not supposed to be in that area. She, she should have avoided even the conversation. And Jesus striking up a conversation. Again, very culturally, that was not acceptable. In fact, going back to those Pharisees, they would have probably called it a sin, right? Would have been going against the law. Remember, they had lots of laws. They had not the Ten Commandments. They had over 600 they kind of kept adding to them as they went along. Laws on top of laws. But Jesus is ignoring that. He wants to have this conversation. Interestingly enough, too, we know that the time of day, right? It's about noon. Culturally and, and normally, women didn't go in the middle of the day to get water. And they certainly wouldn't go by themselves. That's not normal. Usually, you would get up in the morning first thing, you take care of the, the kids a little bit, you get them settled, and then you would go off. You might take some of them with you if they were young, but you would go off and get your water with the other ladies. A couple reasons for this. A, it was cooler. It was a, a good time to get water, and you need water to do your chores throughout the day. The middle of the day would be too late. You'd also go with the other ladies. It was kind of a social thing around the water cooler. Some of you are old enough to work in offices, remember that, right? Around the water cooler. It was a time to talk, but not have some gab time, some enjoy each other's company, but not this woman, right? She's by herself in the middle of the day going. Many scholars have surmised it was because of her shame and because of her status and her position. She didn't want to go with the other ladies. She wanted to be by herself. And so we have this situation, we have this scenario, we have this conversation going on between two unlikely people, Jesus and this Samaritan woman. A Jew and a Samaritan, a man and a woman coming together at this point in time. 
watch the story. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's really good. Verse 10. So Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself and also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Interesting, this conversation is is starting off on a rough foot, really. Right? Jesus is talking about spiritual things, right? He's talking about uh, heavenly things, the water, the gift, the gift of life. And this lady is stuck on physical water, right? H2O, the water we drink, right? They're just, they would be missing. You that are married, you know how this happens, right? Men and women are quite often on two different planes, right? We, we can be talking the same thing, and we can miss each other totally, right? Some of you guys are laughing. Some of you wives are going, yep, if he would only listen to me. Yep, I, I, I know. I can get away with these things. PJ's away this week, so uh, hopefully she doesn't listen to the recording. It's true. It happens in our marriage as well, right? But how often does it even happen just in the workplace or in, 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 in when we're talking, right? We, we think we're communicating well and we're, we're talking about the same thing, but, but we're on two different levels. We're, we're like miles apart. We're not even close. Well, here's one of those situations. Now, Jesus doesn't give up, though, does he? He doesn't try to jump down, back down to, to get on her level because, again, Jesus is thinking of Hey, I've got more for you here. He's patient. Jesus is patient. Taking notes, you might want to jot that down, right? Jesus is patient with her. He's not rushing. He's not jumping to the end. He's not giving up. He's patient. He's going to stick with this. He's going to help her and bridge the gap, right? I love that part. And sometimes we miss it if we just read through quickly. But he is patient, not only with us, but with each other, right? He's patient. Back to the story. So the woman says to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. Again, she's still on that level, right? She's still, still thinking that physical, right? So then he tells her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Again, he's been patient with her. He's brought her along to this point. He's asked the questions, and now he's taken it one step further. Right? He's seen something in her that she doesn't want to reveal. Right? doesn't have one husband. She's had many husbands, and again, she's not in a place, in a good place right now. Again, Jesus is patient with it, and he says, you're right. You know, you don't have a husband. You've got many husbands. In fact, you're sleeping with another man at this point. Now, many of us would say, again, look at it from a humanistic standpoint, well, she's written off. 
she's not she's not a candidate. I wouldn't want to use her. Why would I would even bother this conversation, right? This is a dead end. But not Jesus. Right? He continues on. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She shifts the conversation. He hijacks it a little bit, right? And again, some of you, I know, some of you are thinking, yeah, I've been in those conversations. I've had those talks, right? And, and I've got in mind, I want to share with this person. I want to take them to, to, to lead them closer to Christ, right? And they shift. They deflect. And we have a choice to make, right? We can either go with them on that journey and, and go down that path, or we can bring it back around. And again, I can't tell you which is right, because sometimes it's both are right. Sometimes we need to take that journey with them and then come back. Sometimes we need to let them just finish, or sometimes we need to cut them off and say, hey, it's not before we go down that path. What about this? Again, Holy Spirit has to guide with that. There's not a, a set plan in helping someone come to Christ. And I just gave away. This is an evangelistic message. Right? Jesus has spiritual in mind. He's going after her heart. But he lets her go down the path here, right, with the, the worship, right? The, 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 another divider, right? It's all about the place, the, the exact location. You Jews say it can only be in Jerusalem, right? That's, that was a, of the day. Samaritans were stuck in their area, and so they had a mountain that they would go to and worship, causing separation. 21. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Right? So he actually takes not only the living water, but he takes this, this worship part, and he takes that part of her conversation and brings it back around and pulls her back into the conversation of, hey, you're right, the worship place, that's a divider, but a time's coming when it's not going to be. You, you can't use that excuse, is what he's saying to her, any longer. And to be honest, he's saying that's not what the Father is seeking after. And we know this as believers, right? It's all about the heart. Right? God is after our hearts. He wants our hearts. He doesn't want lip service. He doesn't want our physical things, it's our heart that he's after. And it becomes evidently clear here, that's what he's leading her to. It's a heart condition, not a physical condition. Interestingly enough, she already knew. She, she, her words, she knew that, that, hey, the one's coming, he's the one that's going to bring us. I know about this Messiah, I've heard about it. And he finally reveals it to her. I am the one. I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm, and it's, it's kind of like us. If you remember back when you came to Christ, it's like you probably had a lot of the pieces and you may have been getting closer and closer and then all of a sudden 
It's like all of a sudden, it's like everything opened up to you. And all of a sudden, we get it now. Right? Isn't that the beauty of our salvation? We get it. All of a sudden, we, we see things that we never saw before. Again, not that we're, we're all perfect. This woman's not there yet. She's not anywhere near where she needs to be, but she's at the point of, hey, I recognize you as the Messiah. We have another side story going on here. Interestingly enough, the, the disciples are part of this, this group as well, and we've kind of not talked about them yet, but they were off getting some food. They were helping the ministry, right? They're the ones that are already close with Jesus. They're the one that's been the day-to-day. And I'm going to make a contrast here because Samaritan woman is amazing in this story compared to the disciples. Follow me here in verse 27. We're going to read through these fairly quickly this morning. Um, but it's an interesting contrast between the two. It says, Just then his disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, What do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws his wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard trust is great. You have reaped the benefits of their labor. He said, the contrast is great here, right? Now, his 12 disciples have been spending time. They've seen Jesus. They've been doing ministry. They've seen miracles up to this point. And yet, they are having the same struggle as a Samaritan woman that just met them for a brief few moments and a brief conversation, right? The water just exchanged now for the food, right? Jesus is not talking about physical food, right? He's talking about spiritual food, right? You should know better. You should know. You, you, you've been with me. You've seen that we know the disciples are still struggling with this, right? They're, they're still struggling with the concept of Messiah. They're, they're not there yet. They're still stuck with, you know, why is he talking to this woman? Why is, why is he even in Samaria? And meanwhile, the woman's left her water. She's gone to the town, and she's telling everyone about this person. This person she's met that knows her, knows her already without her telling. We have the story here, two contrasts, right? Two, two people in the spot, and, and then Jesus opens their eyes, right? Or at least encourages them to open their eyes, Right? And again, if you get the picture, his disciples are around him, and and you can almost probably see the crowd coming out of the town, right? You can see people coming towards the well. And you're saying, look, look. The harvest is here. It's near. 
Not that you've done anything for it. And so many times, we, someone else has done a lot of the hard work. They've been doing the praying. They've been doing the sharing. They've been doing the leading that person to Christ. But yet, we end up sometimes getting that moment. Sometimes it all comes together. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's not one way or the other. It's multiple ways that people come to Christ. And we need to be a part of that. It's an old statistic, but a few years ago, if you heard the, did a study and they talked to believers and they said, they asked believers, you know, what is, uh, how many times have you heard the gospel? Right? How many times did you hear the gospel before you became a believer? And they put all the numbers in and the, the, the summation of it was it takes up to seven times of hearing the gospel before someone comes to Christ. That's the, the average, right? average. I've probably blown that average a little bit in my own life. I used to hear it quite often. Again, until I got to that point, I'm willing to accept it, right? But many people have done the hard work quite often to get that person to that point. And sometimes we get that opportunity to share, like you shared, Franny, about that lady in the car, right? You got that opportunity. Not that that pastor hadn't been praying for her, not that she may have heard it before then, Sometimes you get to see that harvest and that reap. And so Jesus is setting them up. Hey, look, they're coming. They're ready. They're willing to listen. Verse 39. Hopefully I'm piquing some of you and encouraging you this morning not to give up on people. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. I love the ending of this story, right? Jesus changes plans from the beginning, right? He, he changes his route. He meets up with this one lady at an odd time, an unlikely person, and yet that's the very person that really helps bring all these believers to him. She's the key to this story, right? She's the one that goes back and tells them. A very unlikely person is the one that shares with the town and gets them to come. Now, don't miss this point. Again, the salvation is all about Jesus. Jesus is the one that does the work, right? It's not dependent on He's the one, us. It's Jesus that did the work on the cross. He's the one that does, draws people to himself. He's the one that does all the work. But he uses us in that process. And he used this Samaritan woman in that process. And Jesus ends up staying there two more days. And many more, some say up to thousands, became believers. Verse 42, as we just wrap this up now and wrap up the story. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world, right? You can't transfer it to someone else. It's not just because of someone else's words, right? It's, it's become real, right? It's become a heart transformation. It's changed. I, I love the fact that Joe gave out that invitation this morning to know him as a, as a believer this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, this is a great opportunity. And please talk with me or one of the elders or with Joe. Joe is an elder, but one of our elders this morning as well. But don't miss that opportunity this morning. 
But maybe you're a believer and you've been a believer for a while. And again, we, guilty as charged. Sometimes we get stuck in the physical and we forget about the spiritual. And maybe this morning you, you need to renew that in your own life and say, you know what, I need to be more purposeful. I need to be more forthcoming. I need to be more outgoing in sharing my faith. Interestingly enough, I'm teaching an evangelism class for LAPS coming up in January. They asked me to do it, and um, it's interesting because they kind of were trying to preface it a little bit. And again, good people, good godly people. I, obviously, you know I believe in the organization, and the pregnancy center is dear to me. But they said, well, you know, it's hard for us to share our faith because we're afraid that we might, you know, hurt the relationship, or we might, uh, you know, how can we say it softly, or how can we say it? And uh, it'll be interesting going through the class because the reality is when you share your faith, you do risk a relationship. You do. And it's always interesting because you have to acknowledge that, right? People will reject the gospel. Right? We know that in our heads, but sometimes the relationship, well, we built this friendship. We don't want to lose it. But you know what? For the sake of Christ, we need to be willing to risk that. We worry about what they may think about us from that point on, or it may get awkward, right? If we could be honest, those fears keep us from sharing. Maybe it's a fear like here in the story, right? Maybe it's a fear of that they're different than us, right? They come from a different place. They're female, they're a male. We can get hung up on all sorts of different things. They have a different background than us. They're a different race than us. But I can't see in Scripture where it calls us any less to go to those folks as well. And so as believers, I'm going to encourage this morning to, to put that faith into practice and to take some risk. Risk the relationship with that person. If you care about them at all, you should be willing to share your faith with them. So it's a little kick in the pants from Pastor Charlie, right? So I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. You know, do you see the field? Do you see the field? Just as Jesus told us, do you see the field? Do you see people around you that are unsaved? If anyone answers no, then I'm going to say you need to get your field a, bit, a bigger field, right? Certainly. Don't forget your response to the gospel. Don't forget your response to the gospel. And then lastly, what was the, when was the last time you shared your faith with someone else? Bow with me, please. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, as we read about this story, Lord, we are so reminded of your great love for us that you were willing to send your Son to die on the cross for our sins. pay the penalty that we could not pay and the free gift of salvation. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for your willingness to do that for all of us. And Lord, with that responsibility, Lord, I just pray and ask that we would just be bold in our faith, that we would reach out to those who are unsaved and that we would share the good news with them. 
Lord, even this morning, there may be someone here that's searching for you. Lord, that today would be the day of their salvation and that we can rejoice in the harvest. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities you give us. Continue to give us more throughout the rest of this week. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.